terrain in there too, so that's fine. That's historical value. <laughs> mm -hmm. It has value, if I'm not mistaken, because it wasn't planned, it's natural. Yeah, I, I like having like the outside noise sometimes. Like it really depends, as long as it's not distracting. I like having outside noise to kind of make, you, you want to feel in the room with the people talking. Nice. So maybe a little bit of train isn't going to fuck it up too bad. We'll see. Because <laughs> that's like... like Hopefully the, the train stops. It's like the fourth eventually. blast. It's going to be like an hour long train watch. <laughs> oh, I think it's quiet. Now I just have to worry about the church bells. That's all. There's church bells too? Oh, yeah. See, so there's so much resonance right now. It's a great neighborhood. Yeah. Definitely. So, okay. For the audience... Yes. Introduce yourself, please. Hello. Um, my name is Sky Garcia, and I am a Rockford resident. I'm also a artist, and um, a list of many other things, like an activist and things like that. Mm -hmm. But um, most importantly, I'm just a human, <laughs> and I'm super excited about um, this entire um, interview process. Yeah, this is the first time we met. Yes. How's it, it going so far? <laughs> it's going very well. You're not a creep at okay, all. Okay, good. That's, that's really nice. I know I'm wearing all black and I'm wearing leather boots and you're probably like, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. No, um, everything has been very uh, respectful and natural, so I am great with that. Okay. So I... Um, I found out about you through a mutual friend and they said if you want to interview people who are super creative around town check them out so I I wanted to reach out to you because I I don't know would you call yourself a singer first mm. or would, are you more of like a, a multitude of things that's really fun I do consider myself really creative yeah. because it's like um from a very young age I would just do things to make myself specifically stand out um, creatively, whether it was with makeup or clothes or he high heels. And there's a lot of backstory to that. There's, there's so much backstory actually regarding my life and my identity that I'm sometimes um, more um, upfront about. Yeah. If you know, if the time. However, um, your question, which was. Whether oh no, <laughs> lived the in, blender lived in noise. It's okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. I'm sorry. Can you tell me what your question was? And it was regarding <laughs> what Willie May and um, everyone else said. That's okay. I can edit all this out. You're good. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Mike main question was do you consider yourself a singer, singer first. first ah yes okay so I would say um, I would like to I mean there's a lot of reasons as to why seeing that comes from oppression and um, pain and that's when the music starts to come out of my body mm -hmm. really is when I need to work through things or release some things emotions specifically that I have inside and that's what the music helps me do and I'd say I started singing like that before I even understood that that's what I was doing so I would I would consider myself a singer first but not until honestly you asked me <laughs> really yeah 
publicly, I would say it's the first time that I've really considered myself a singer first. So when did you actually start singing? When I was 16 years old. Okay. It was 15 or 16, and it was Aerosmith. It was um, rock music, because oh. that's what I grew up with. My mom, she raised me as a single mother, and she listened to a lot of free-spirited rock music or emotional. So when I was around 16, I started belting out that stuff. Yeah. And it was awesome, because it was a lot of screaming, which is nice. <laughs> I like that a lot. And there's different variations. Music is so complex. It really is. Yeah. There's so many different ways to understand it or read it or perform it. It's very, very in-depth. And it has a history, actually, that I've watched some horror movies about that <laughs> made me kind of um, romanticize, um, you know, uh, aspect of music that's kind of dark. About the history of it? Yeah, there have just been some films that I've seen and that incorporated dance and music with some um, dark, um, ritualistic, I guess, ceremonial types of way of what it, what the intent transmutes into mm. behind why they're performing or what the music is saying or who it's worshipping specifically even. You mean like a black swan Suspiria type thing? Yes, okay. that's exactly where I'm going with it. Okay. <laughs> Because I, I haven't seen the remake yet, but I watched the original a ton. I have not seen the original. Really? I would probably enjoy that, huh? How'd you like it? The original? I loved yes. it. I'm a big fan of Argento's like horror films and stuff. I, uh, I'm a big horror film nerd, so I, I was really kind of hesitant about the remake because there's so many remakes. It was very sad. Yeah. Okay, I don't know how the first one was. The remake was very sad. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Which was a good thing. That's what I was looking for, you know? <laughs> I didn't turn to Speria on to, like, watch some... I, I, went, I wanted to travel to that dark place. Mm -hmm. that, and that's what the arts can do for us, I think, sometimes. They can help us with that. So, um, yeah, that's interesting that you like the horror movies as well. Yeah. I think, too, like, what I wanted to ask you, when you were mentioning, like, singing from, like, a place of pain... I was going to ask, like, do you feel like music at some point is kind of like a defense mechanism? Um, I would say in a way it's an offensive move. Yeah. I have felt highly uncomfortable in some spaces sometimes, and I've thought to myself, I can't wait until I can go on the stage and I can, and I can you know, show my soul, but also win people over mm. and um, I've used it as a way to feel more comfortable and also have my voice be heard yeah so there's, there's spots it's around like, town that feel a little bit oppressive uncomfortable, yeah, uncomfortable? Yeah. <laughs> yes definitely in Rockford there are many places that I do not feel comfortable and part of that is due to the environment part of it is due to the people who are there and then part of it is also due to the conditioning I think that I've experienced while living in um, the United States and being alive for 23 years and I have a lot of fear in my mind based off of the things that I've been subjected through through media or even experience which is a little more emotional yeah and um, but I'm still able to overcome both of them which is really nice 
Um, it's just the conditioning has been a little more difficult than sometimes overcoming the stuff that I've experienced directly, emotionally. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know why. But, um... You don't have to, like... some fears that have just been, you know... I was going to say, like, if you... If you feel like hesitant about naming like actual places, don't don't be afraid to name I the actual places. I have never really been afraid to. That's the thing. Is okay. When I when I when we were at the Irish Rose earlier, and we said that I I was filling you in on the fact that I had worked there before. One of the reasons why I no longer work there was because I had multiple complaints with the way that the store was ran and the things that I was experienced to. I later served on a panel that discussed sexual harassment in the restaurant industry mm. and how and how rampant it is, especially in Rockford, whether it be at the District Bar and Grill, which is a place that I go to sing constantly that I've experienced uncomfortable things at, or whether it be um, um, the Irish Rose, like I said earlier, um, when I was exp- when I was working there, it wasn't a it wasn't it wasn't always the best time. And since the boss and I have spoken, it's still a, an establishment that I visit frequently, yeah. which can seem a bit problematic because you don't really one shouldn't really spend their money, you know, giving to a source that is enacting violence on people every day but i think that that for the experience that i experienced that that was an extreme version and that the person that we're talking about which is the person that i'm talking about which is mike life the man who owns the irish rose um he is somebody who has grown from the things that i experienced with him and um he's come out and he's even apologized for um, some of the ways that he may have treated the staff. So, really? Yeah, when it comes to those kinds of things, I don't mind going back. Humans are humans. I don't think that it's any establishment-specific fault, you know, that people act um, in ways that are hurtful to others. Yeah. And harmful. I like to not blame that on that. I don't think it's very productive. Yeah. It's more productive if we give people the chance to grow. And that's a lot of the things that I'm about, too. Besides the art and the music, I'm really about um, growing the society and how we affect other people's growth yeah and I feel and like health altogether I mean yeah I, so much. I think that was one of the things I noticed when you and I became internet friends it's like I send you the request and you you don't know me but you accept it's like okay cool because when I try to get to know people I feel like in a weird way in a backwards way social media is kind of a weird way to see into a person's psyche a little bit so what I appreciate about you is that a lot of the stuff I see online, because like I don't really post myself, I don't. I'm very much like, I'm not the kind of person to like, go online and say I had a bad experience at this store, or I don't. I don't really talk about like if I have like a shitty day. I very much like I'm in. Mm. I'm I'm like tucked in big time. Conscious of what you're. Maybe maybe too much, mm-hmm. but I like the way that you were able to talk about negative stuff and spin it in a way like the way that you speak online is very very positive and it's like if I'm scrolling through a lot of like memes and like you know orangutan jokes and like (laughs) and then I see like a paragraph from you and it's like somebody took time to write a paragraph I'm gonna read that shit 
So wow. I appreciate that. That is awesome. And jumping back really fast before we lose it, the other establishments that, um, this is public knowledge, by yeah. the way. I mean, this is stuff, speaking of Facebook, that has been discussed and circulated online so that people are made aware that this is what you may experience when you go into this establishment, which I think is much better than someone deciding what the punishment should be for someone who is hurting people. Maybe we should just remove people from the environment or let them know what they could expect because some people are okay with certain things that other people aren't okay with. However, um, there's like Onyx, which is another um, restaurant that yeah. is, you know. And then um, there is one more that I just can't think of and it's on the farther side of town. But for the sake of just like authenticity and the intent behind discussing these matters, yeah. it's just important for me to just name a couple more of them besides the ones that I named because it's really a problem that isn't, you know, that's really common in other cities as yeah. well, you know, and people can combat it. So people should. That's why it's good to spread positivity, like you said, because. I don't know. There's just a lot of things that are going on and people could use positivity. Yeah. And I think that was one of the things when I reached out to you for the interview because you made you did like a live video and you said, hey, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to go to a, a farm. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, shit, I better <laughs> I better try to like reach out before it's too late. So can we talk about that? Like what what started the idea of wanting to to leave? Getting away from a, a relationship that was no longer serving me, that was abusive, and getting away from, um, I guess, supporting, uh, I just felt that there was a lot of violence happening, and I felt that I was being a supporter of it, so... I knew that, I understood that this is the system that I've been born in and brought up in, and... Due to that understanding, I choose not to resist it, and I choose to instead, um, you know, try to gain a perspective that helps me continue accepting it, because I'm at the point where I'm no longer willing to accept living in Rockford. Hmm. So I guess that's why I really, I'm deciding to move both of those reasons, and then there's a lot of positives that are going to be to it, a lot of things that I've make it worth it, you know? Yeah, tell, tell me about the, like, um, tell me I'll about be, the farm. I'll get to learn more self-sustainable way of living. And um, the farm is completely off-grid, run by solar energy and mm. thermal energy. And they have some ways of getting water and other natural resources without relying on any of the cities around them. So with... Um, all of that being said, I know so many people in this city already who are interested in all of those things and who have done that we have buildings that are ran with solar and thermal energy in Rockford. Mm. I used to work at Katie's Cup and that's an establishment that has them. So um, being able to come back and possibly be a part of the amazing change and growth that is currently happening in the city inspires me. It makes me want to be better. And um, that's, that's, that's great. Yeah. That's the reason why it's going to be very useful. I'll get to read a lot, too, and be in um, 
most importantly, there's that word for when you cut yourself off from everyone else. But um isolation. Yeah, isolation is one of them. There's also another one that's um I forget what it is. <laughs> but um yeah. I feel like it'll be an environment that's going to be very healthy. And I'm hoping not. What I'm hoping is that, let me be clear, this environment is supposed to be different, though. It's not supposed to be as racist or sexist. or What I'm looking for is a space of conscious people who are aware of you know um, systemic issues like racism and like prejudice and like oppression. And I don't think that it's impossible to find a community, especially a small community of people who understand those things. Yeah, I feel like there's one here a little yes. bit. Yes, I was just going to say, I even worked with people who, um, in the city, in the past, I've worked with some organizations or helped create them. And those people are the people that I would consider not to be perfect, but to be um, great examples of. So they're on their way up. It would be like, exactly. I have the hopes for it. I have my own opinions, but I have hopes that they're on the way up. Okay. Because that's as much as we should give sometimes, I think. It's not really important to them, probably, what I think, so (laughs) I don't think that I should share it. (laughs) No, sure. I mean, everybody's... I mean, that's, that's really the reason why I wanted to talk with people I haven't met, because this helps me expand my own perspective and my own thoughts about stuff, because I feel like my own little tunnel vision version of living in this city coming from Chicago like I know I have like bitter I wouldn't say toxic but I have some kind of bitter opinions about this place but I feel like that's kind of filtered through my own lens it is I mean I'm not even when I say it is I don't mean it is filtered by your own lens but the fact that you have your own bitter taste of this place is something that's so common and the more that people speak their voices on it the less I think dangerous it is for the few that are speaking their voices on it yeah. constantly because it becomes I never knew that people actually had that I was like wow because I've been ridiculed for speaking about some of the stuff that I even have already spoken about regarding my past and it's like I wondered, am I being ridiculed by people because they just don't have this like experience or thought process at all? You know, they haven't had these. But it seems like it's just like people aren't talking about it. Yeah. And that's harmful. Silence can silence can be good, great tool. Silence can be, you know, it's a balance, I guess, suppose. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times when I'm ready to speak, there's something kind of pulling me back. So it's like, I don't, you know, I always kind of make jokes about it. But I feel like there's there's got to be a way I can articulate my thoughts that are not dismissed, like the where they they can actually help. Cause I feel like I always jump to like conclusions of like another Caucasian guy with opinions. Look out, and it's like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> but sometimes there are gonna be moments where I where I somebody like me should say something. Yes, please never stop at letting you speak your voice because um, it's very valuable. It really is. Yeah. It can help stop some things. It can not, but you still use it and it feels like a waste, but I guess it's really up to you. I think that um, you seem like you're pretty outgoing, like you're like you're working up to maybe some type of burst. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. And these podcasts just started going in a different direction as well, right? Big time, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to reach out, take risks, talk to strangers, make friends. 
I would urge you to um, think of the safety of the people that you talk to yeah. with the interviews that you give because it's powerful stuff it can be sometimes sure I can get dangerous am I able to yeah okay cool if you want to just think and maybe talk to me ask me questions <laughs> of if course. you think of something but I'm having a great time okay good So have you actually like sang in bands around town? I got one chance to sing with a local band called Purple Hell. <sighs> one one song. <laughs> I know them. They're amazing. I yeah. love Purple Hell. I met Jesus when I first moved here. I think he was. That's when he was running for mayor. No way. So See, I, I never knew him when he was. Yeah, I met. Running. I met him, he came into like CJ's bar and like he had the shirts. I still have the button. Like I bought a shirt with his face on it that like was way too small for me. But that was my first like interaction with that guy and it was cool because like I was just, he's very much a character. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's almost like a character out of a book. Like this is actually a real person. It's very bizarre, but like it's very cool. Like and then you see him, and you see him like working at a restaurant and you're like, hey. But then you see him on stage, and it's like, that's like the burst that you were talking about. I don't know what Jesus considers himself as, but I consider him as an artist. I mean, down to the bone when it comes to the way he performs his music or his his everyday persona, like you said. I have just met him, and he, it's cool. He's a cool guy. He washes dishes. Have you met Taylor Hopkins? I don't think so not okay. like face to face but I think she sings in the band with him right yes okay well that band is now dismembered it's no longer a band anymore the last show was at the office I'm pretty sure or it was the second to last show but that's the one I got to sing with him okay because I've been a big fan of Purple Hell I followed them I have no problem being a groupie before I'm the actual singer of the sure. band that's how you get in sometimes <laughs> yeah and um I think I've seen them play at the Nordloft but I can't remember the reason I don't want to say it was art scene I think That'd be a great place, because they actually have a stage. I saw a band play at the Nordloft. I don't know if it was Purple Hell, but I do remember a band playing there. It was actually um, Coat Train or something like that. Hmm. It was a band that um, Mary Wells and... Okay, Dave Slater is his name. Dave Slater was in this band, and I think he played there at the Nordloft. It was a really great show. I love the local theaters we have here. Some of them are being restored, and then we have some bullshit infrastructure that's happening as well regarding like casinos and hotels and stuff like that. But yeah, I was, <laughs> I was gonna ask you about that because I haven't really had a chance to talk with like people outside of my own bubble about the casino thing. Awesome. Because I feel like my interactions with downtown are kind of limited. Like like I said before, I'm very much like a shut in still. But like Mike, the guy who does the West Side Showroom, awesome guy. Worked with him a bunch. Um, he let me read stuff there, like, you know, very nice. Him and Carolyn, super nice, very supportive, just letting people come in kind of off the street and just reading poetry in front of people. That was awesome. And then he gets kicked out of that space because I guess the landlords, you know, wanted tons of money, a lot of demands. I don't know those people. I don't know what their situations are. Okay. Then they closed down Kryptonite for whatever reason. I'm not, I'm out of the loop. And then they're like... I drive him down the street one day and it says Hard Rock Casino and I'm like where are you going to put a casino down there? <laughs> like is that whole building going to be a casino or is it just the first floor or what? do you know what the plan is? I think that they have a bunch of buildings like 
that they're either building for it because there's the casino and then there's this second building so the casino is supposed to be right next to the interstate at the end of East State Street okay yeah um, let's see it's East yeah East State okay perfect so um, then they want to create I'm pretty sure a building that is connected to the casino in some way but it's like a performance hall where the people would the big names would perform okay and it's so easy for some people to demonize these actions because they are not including a certain class of people who those people are usually people who have no money poor people people who are in poverty there are some people who are actually caring about those people enough to get angry at something that could be very useful and beneficial for the people that are using it. Right. Because when I saw... And, um, which is, you know, performance. Right. Because when I saw the initial, like... It's news kind of con- exciting, but News conference, a part of me was, like, very excited. Like, okay. Because in my mind, something that would be cool is if you have a Hard Rock Casino, if that whole building is the casino, you could basically just keep... You could just reopen Kryptonite and have local bands play on that first floor and then you go up and there's slot machines and, like blackjack tables or whatever but then oh part you're right because that's the building that they put the capitol house just closed yeah that was in kryptonite after kryptonite closed so now they have a picture that says does it say hard rock casino yeah okay and that's the part i was like okay if you're gonna redo kryptonite have local bands play you're gonna employ people around the, the area that need work cool but then there's a part of me that's like a dick and i'm like is it just going to be like another slot machine place with a big fancy logo on it? Can we please talk about the slot machines and the fact that they should remove them? Oh my god. It's really Dotties, Molly's, fucking Timmy's, Billy Bob's. Like there's so many slot machine areas, like buildings in this whole town. And like I, I lost count. Like I drive down the street and there's like a new, <laughs> a new slot machine place. There's, some, there's one that's like a block. For, there's two. There's two slot machines a block from my condo. And I'm like... We don't need that many slot machines. Ah, uh, yeah, the same with the places that I'll go to sing. I mean, there's there, and I played one of them for the first time. You were singing next to the slot machine. I was, well, the slot machine was across, yeah. <laughs> but I did play the slot machine for the first time, and I felt like it was a um, sinful action. Yeah. Because I gave them money, and it was addictive, and I wanted to play it again, and oh, yeah. I did play it again. And luckily, it was none of my money, it was my brother's money, so. But he only spent at least, and we won some back. Like three dollars, <laughs> but it's like this whole money pit idea. Like it's horrible. I, no, they should definitely. I think that they should. Remove them. Like I get it. Like uh, I guess if you think about it, like economically, and I try to think about it economically. Like okay, we need to generate revenue. Cool, but what are you gonna do with that money as it's rolling in? And who are you taking the money away from? Is it, the question. Exactly. Ooh. Like you're gonna give it, you're I agree. Gonna, you're gonna give it back to them, or you're gonna make a nice park here for these people, or are you just gonna like, yeah, you don't even buy boats and shit. Like, what are you there gonna you do go. with that money? So that's that bitter part of me. It's like, what do you, what are you guys really after? Like, what the fuck? I've never really heard it from that perspective either of the doing things for them as a return of it. That would be an idea that might work. Yeah, because I mean, there's there's not really a lot of places out here that support local music as far as. I mean, if I'm, like, this place, you're telling me is like, a venue for punk shows and stuff, which is awesome, but what's the name of this place, the official name of this place? It's, um, one that... Is it, like, more underground, like, don't tell nobody? I can't. I feel like... That's totally fine. What's happened is that, 
Um, okay, so we're going to talk about things that I'm passionate about, I hope. And that is what we've been talking about as well, because all of this... I hope so. I hope is we... like, it's like an umbrella term, honestly. Yeah. And what this city in Rockford does to spaces that serve as a DIY space is they close them down. I've seen it. And it's not okay. So since that happens, um, you get a lot of spaces that end up having to be more silent, which can actually serve as a tool to um, improve the um, productivity <laughs> of the actual mission, which is one that the city claims to support. So it's making this place a safer community. Yeah. It's giving this place, you know, something that isn't offered in other areas. But they're trying, the city's trying to be their own experts. And if we're going to talk about the casino, we should also talk about the um, family justice center that they're building and creating, funneling millions, just like the casino, millions and millions and millions of dollars into. And they're also um, claiming to, it's supposed to be this thing that is led by knowledge. So it's supposed to be very impressive, you know. I don't know what actually is going to happen, but <sighs> they've had a community sit-in basically they invited all of us to go and actually be a part of the process of creating this family justice center mm -hmm. so that gave me the idea that they are fishing you know they are doing things trying to get other people's opinions very important i just have some history with like trying to run operations like these i guess you could call them operations or projects or um, if I was getting Communal. paid for it, it would just be called a job. Or like maybe literally. Because if you're if you're kind of <clears throat> running a uh, like a little bit of like an establishment that supports a creative community, it's I guess it's more like a almost like a commune kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's that's how I consider it. They actually have a section for it in the city's like codes and regulations, and it's called a cooperative housing unit or something like that. And it, it involves like a establishment where seven or more people live together. But you have to register as that. And if they find out that you have seven people living in a house that is registered as maybe say a two residential home, they will begin to threaten to take your home if you do not change or it takes money to you know change these things. So That's true. It's really fun. Politics has always been something I've been interested in. So when you did the, the sit-ins, yeah, was there ever any suggestion to like have the, the city sponsor these places so it's regulated, so people are able to actually do cool art shit? It would have been nice if you were there, honestly. Really? Yeah, because I think that more people should have asked questions, you know, kind of like that. But no, there was just, it was a lot of um, mentor, mentor talk. Mm. There was someone who had a microphone on his ear that went to his mouth, and he was giving us a lot of like inspirational motivation. It was kind of like church. They're indoctrinating you with like <laughs> <laughs> the idea of like what it takes to have a Paperwork's family hard, justice kids. center because this model that they are going by in Rockford is one that has been copied in a couple of different states. Mm. So whoever the company is that created those other ones, you know, they came here basically and they yeah, thanks <laughs> thinking about what that actually was is so um not surprising. 
<laughs> but I, you know. They don't want people to challenge the model. They just want to. They want to give you the PowerPoint, and you're. They're trying to sell you, and they're. They're really good at selling you, but. Do you is, think I have a question for you? Do yeah. you think that people want to do something about? All of the stuff that happens that's going on, you know, that's bad or harmful. Like, do you think that people want to do something about it and they just choose not to? Do you mean in this town or as a microcosm or at large? I guess I would like to speak about in this town. Yeah. I think there's a lot of people that mean well, but they're really tired when they get home from work. I include myself in that bracket because... Obviously, I'm sitting here talking with you. I want to learn about cool underground shit in this town that I would totally support and believe in, but you work a 10-hour day, you come home, you look at Facebook, you're conditioned, like you said, and you get so tired, and you just fall asleep, and that's one day. And then keep doing that, and then six months go by, and you missed an opportunity, or a building shuts down, or something gets shuts down, and you're like, I could have did something about that, maybe. You don't know. So for me, I feel like there's a lot of people that they're too they're too wired into that sort of go to work, come home. It seems like it's so comfortable for some of these people. Yeah, and I think that uncomfortability is scary. And I could trash talk it and say that it sounds like a like a trap. I could in the sense of what I mean by that is that someone has designed it to feel certain way so that they stay dormant so that it does not move and it's definitely you can look at it like a trap people to just move yeah i want them but i understand what's needed and i think people don't want to sacrifice comfort is all that it is and what about the people who has their soul to every opportunity or every disaster in the world? They are still surviving, and still. I think we should study that mm-hmm. and realize that maybe there's a different way of life that we're just scared of accepting, that um, we need to let go of what we believed or have conceived. Yeah. I think about that all the time. Like, now that I'm in my 30s, I know initially, like, I always make, like, horrible jokes with my friends, like... Once we hit 30, we're going to kill ourselves. And it's, and it's not funny at all. But, like, we had that joke, like, dead by 30. And now we're not. And now I'm sitting with my friend, and I have a family. And he's got his own, like, he's just doing his building blocks now for his family, potential family. But he's terrified. And he's like, dude, what do I, like, like how do you do this? And I'm like, I, I mean, I'm very much a tunnel vision type of person. And I don't know if... A lot of people think about it the way I do, but like for me, like everything, like you saw at the restaurant, like I ordered a meal for myself and I ended up eating half because this is... Well, not half, just like... Maybe less than half. Yes, less than half. So, I mean, that's that's how I look at almost everything. And I, I don't know if that's healthy, probably not, but like that guides me and it kind of drives me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of, um, it, reminds, it seems like a pretty great thing because unless you're going without because of it. Sometimes I am. So then you just, you know, have to think about that. Yeah. And decide if it's something worth sacrificing for. Mm-hmm. Like everybody in there was like, who's going to eat this banana? <laughs> like, like I, I want to eat the banana. And then I <laughs> ate it. I didn't even want to eat it. Door. Why? It's a tricky one. Oh, shit. 
Thanks. I feel like I should just leave all that in. This like this treacherous door. <laughs> yeah, it's for the ambiance. Nice. Uh, some people, okay, so I've heard you say that you're kind of more reserved in some ways, or it seems like you're socially um, well-equipped, like you're pretty comfortable with, I had a, someone who complimented me for being like a, somewhat of a social genius, because when maybe there were moments of interaction that seemed uncomfortable, somebody was able to say something that was not um, Lighten them awkward. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm and, good at faking it, but... Like, yeah, that, that, sometimes that's a goal. I mean, I was just talking about it. with her, Rachel. Last night we were talking about that whole concept of faking it until you make it because some of us um, sisters, we bond over um, hardships. Yeah. And you find that you know people sometimes and you're going through something specific. Like the fact that I've met you and I get to speak is big for me because there's a lot that I could speak about. Oh my gosh. And there's so much that um, is going on in the moment. And one of those things that we like to do though is talk about um, abuse because people who experience it, they tend not to have places to speak about it. Sure. And um, Feel free to, I mean. We got to bond. Yeah, we just got to bond over it because we have both dated somebody and so technically we were both in abusive relationships in the past they were similar in that way and um, there was this concept of uh, our partners always expecting um, us to cry or to show certain emotions in order to prove that that's how we truly felt so basically if the outer didn't match what the words were saying or what supposedly the I or the person was feeling then my partner tended not to believe that that's what I was actually doing so we were talking about how um it sounds very warped yeah some people just aren't programmed that way like he cried so much I I that's a thing, though. There's so much about that. Oh, God. And, um... There's another roommate. See, like, when I do the editing part, I can go through, like, cut, cut, and then it just jumps to the next. So, like, it's super easy. Cool. Yeah. Because, like, for me, like, when I'm with normal episodes, like, it's, like, four hours of, like, eating included, and I have to go back and like edit all the chewing out, because like it picks up all the chewing, and it's like, I hear myself chewing, and I'm like, you're disgusting, you bastard. Cut all that out. <laughs> There's some people who pay money to hear people chew. Really? It's called ASMR. Yeah, totally. Is that what that is? Mm-hmm. It's like when people eat lobster with a really mic, like, close, and they dip it in the butter, and they suck on it, because it's like, they want the entire experience of hearing someone chew. It's pretty... Interesting what people can be into, and the internet is a great way of finding out. So honestly. you think that my podcast has potential for ASMR? Oh, with yeah. Us, with us eating popcorn and pizza. There you go. Super close. Watching a movie. Yeah. Like you have before. You've, you've done some podcasts where uh, you and the boys are... Uh, Slouch, yeah, just the slouching on pizza. I guess, yeah, maybe I'll keep it. I don't know. What about chips, though? That's kind of an easy one to eat, and you're not going to have to really... Because, um, I mean... So what's slouching on me? Is that when you smack? Like, yeah, I do that, especially after like four shots. Like, give me this entire pizza right now. <laughs> holy shit! Holy shit! Holy shit! Holy shit! It's like, have you ever done one of these with somebody and 
done another one with them and had an editing process where you hadn't posted, like you made something of the two um, meetings or conversations, or has it only just been like one sitting, one take, here goes, boom. I like the intimacy of the one take. Like you and me, like first time meeting, sitting on pillows, staring at each other. Like I, I, I like that vibe. I kind of want to keep that for all the people that I interview, because like it's very much. It's very vulnerable. Yeah. Okay. Feeling very nice to know. Fe- feeling good. Feeling good. good? Yeah, all I'm right. feeling fine. I'm going to trust in your editing skills. Yeah, I'll take care of the noises and the door. Some of them you can. Okay. I wonder. So, um, yeah. Other things I like are science fiction, I guess you could say. Yeah. That's the normie term for it, so I don't get lynched as a witch. But well, there's other terms? Oh, yeah, totally. Like what? Reality, you know, and the fact that um, magic or witches or people who are able to cast spells exist. I think that that's what's really wild. We should get into some interesting stuff. Okay, so I'm non-binary. I'm part of the LGBTQ community in that sense. And what that means is that I'm also trans. So non-binary is under the umbrella term of trans. We have trans man, trans woman. We have um, trans, some people just use the word transgender, which Mm -hmm. means somebody who doesn't, I think if you Google it, there's a Google term that says it means somebody who doesn't feel comfortable in their own body, which makes some sense because if someone is transgender, usually, not always, but usually a goal there is to have a surgery that results in um, changing them. And that is, then there's also non-binary, which is where I fall under the trans umbrella. And that just has to do with the fact that I, if they had to choose male or female in terms of like these forms or even identifying myself as I never choose either or Um, I've always just not had an identity I don't know why that is my like state of reality and being I think that as I grow older I'm willing to accept certain things that I never thought that I would accept so it's also a learning process but identifying as non-binary and understanding what that means um, when it comes to the way that I live my life or the way that I um, address myself or the habits that I have I think that that's what was that was my problem was that people equated certain roles or habits with whether or not the person was masculine or feminine or male or female and I really found that to be unfortunate because there were a lot of things that were beneficial to any human being and a lot of it had to depend in my in my heart it had to depend on who they wanted to be not who somebody else asked them to be so it feels like a self-liberating identity I like it and it's always been my nature to push against the grain a little bit unfortunately now because it never is fun being the underdog as I'm sure you might be able to imagine
So do you do you feel like there's parts of your brain or thought process that's masculine and mm-hmm. some that are feminine? I think that there are masculine parts that I've yet to tap, tap into and that there are a lot of feminine parts that I've explored mostly due to my mother mm. because she raised me. So I think that there is an imprint that was left on me just because that's the person that I was around 24-7 depending on to um, keep me alive, first of all. And I picked up on a lot of those the things that she chose to do to survive, which I'm grateful for because she's a strong-ass person and she's still going. She's 40 years old. I'm going to see her in December when I get back from the farm. It's going to be very nice. Shout-out to shout out to mom. Yeah, always just keep a grain of salt with it, you know. Try not to take life for too many things. I don't know. It's been good. It's been good. What was it? You seem very like on edge. Like you're about to fall asleep a little. Oh, good. Like you might want to take a nap. It's the opposite. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you on edge? Oh yeah. Why? Because I'm just like worrying about I don't know stuff that I guess I shouldn't be worrying about. <laughs> you mean like stuff that's gonna go on the internet or? Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope I'm. Uh, I hope I'm making you feel comfortable. Am I making? Am I not making you feel? You comfortable? are. Okay. Oh, it's yes. And then the other part is that people always tend to say that like the outside physical form is very like um, chill and calm. People will think that I'm almost falling asleep, but I'm not. <laughs> yeah. I'm very much awake and. And wanting nothing more than for, like, usually the moment that I'm in to not end because I am enjoying it. Well, that's good. Because, I mean, your eyes feel like they look sleepy, but then, like, sometimes, like, they kind of open up and it's like, oh, shit, is she getting (laughs) mad at me right now? Like, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, like, the balancing is, like, I'm very impressed by this balancing. Like, sometimes there's a vase of flowers here and I'll put it on top of my head and try and balance it. Shit. Yeah. It's awesome. I need that balance. I need that. I need that's like a goal. Yeah, it's really neat. I guess it is cool. It is. Um, it can. I don't know. Yoga is good too. You ever try that? No, I was gonna ask you about that. Like, tell me about your yoga stuff. Yeah, I went to a weekend course in Madison, thanks to my mom actually, who helped me get there. She um, signed me up for a course that was titled healing emotional and mental trauma through yoga and I got this basically pamphlet about how to address trauma and that is a pamphlet oh man especially if people have done any of these trainings it's a pamphlet that right away is frightening because it's like the most valuable information so you can't stop reading it but it's allowing your mind to actually go to a place where you're confronting some of those traumatic experiences and working through them so that's why it was bittersweet and one of the techniques that they used to really remedy those things was yoga. And for me, it's very simple. It's stretches, it's dancing, it's pushing my body a little bit. Like I have an injury on my leg and nobody knows because I'm still wearing my high heels and I'm still going out and I'm, and I'm resting it when I sleep. That's it. Mm-hmm. And um, it is, it's slowly healing because I'm gauging my body and how I'm feeling and yeah. then I'm either pushing myself or giving myself more rest and that's how it is that's what yoga is for me really is like the deep stretches the breathing techniques 
and stuff like that. That is something that's been like kind of a fascination for me for a while. Like, and it kind of started with my own back problems, and then like I started watching chiropractic videos on YouTube of like doctors in like North Cal, and like they just like like pop people's backs. Isn't and I'm, that like, addicting almost? Very much. Like I've started like well I've been doing it for a long time. Like I could cracking probably, or like, I could probably, like like yeah. that kind of thing. Like it's it's kind of like it, it is addicting, That's right? Awesome. <laughs> but like I think. My mom has like spinal stenosis and I feel like I've I'm probably gonna end up with it too, just based on like this the stuff I do every day and like I don't mm-hmm. I think stretching is probably gonna be something I'm gonna be like deep diving into very soon. Like, you should. I can kinda feel it in my back now. Besides the music and the other stuff that we touched on, I'm really also into like music therapy and mm-hmm. just the ways that you can possibly um remedy pain and sufferings of life with um, doing things like vocal um, vocal exercises and lessons even and um, even for people who don't sing they'll find they, everyone still has a voice that they use so it's very beneficial um, you should experiment with it I think it's really interesting with sound as well um, experimenting the, phys- the physical aspects of the stretching or the dancing with the music and wherever you are how loud the music is I mean, there's so many different aspects of it. It's beautiful stuff, I swear. Isn't it? I love it. You should definitely, definitely make time for it. Do you have space in your life to turn on some loud music and... (laughs) Yeah, I got space. Cool. Cool. What kind of, like, do you have, like, stretches or stuff, like, for beginners, like, very, very much beginners? I would say, yeah, is just basically what's mostly in... um, in touch with your body you know um, like there are some if you type in on the internet they'll yeah. tell you them totally there are some really simple ones like exercise for me now is like I'll do like 35 push-ups and then I'll feel my muscles I'm like yeah and then I'll go to bed and then I'll wake up and then I'll have like pizza rolls and like a beer for dinner and then it's all erased yeah. that's my life basically <laughs> it's like ambition and then like a day later it's like ah I'm I'm tired. Mm-hmm. Just give me, just give me what I need right now, and then I'll get to work Survive. on it the next day. Totally. I don't know if it's offsetting so much. It might be perfect balance. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel balanced. Sometimes, sometimes I feel good. I think a lot of people could relate to you know being a quitter, joiner, joiner, quitter. Yeah. Joiner, you know. Within like the same like the span of twenty four hours, join and quit. Yeah. 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 Okay. People are panicking. Do you know this? I actually had a panic attack two weeks ago. Okay, my, talk to me about it, please. My buddy, Tim, he mm. was. I described the symptoms, and he's like, that's a panic attack. And I was like, oh, shit. Never had one before. But basically, I, I had the data myself, and I kind of felt bad because I felt like I could be using that time to do family-oriented things, try to do creative stuff, and it just kind of... It kind of fell apart on me and I kind of like broke down mm. it, it was like horrible and like chest pains and just like okay crying and I'm like what the fuck yeah yeah happened to me pushed through that's good yeah but I mean like did you did your buddy give you any techniques like to kind of like deal with it or are you not worried about it happening again in the future I I think about it all the time oh, especially since that day I think about it all the time like is that That's like, really nice that you're thinking about doing, you know, other therapy then. Yeah, it's like... Like yoga and stuff like 
Uh, I don't ever want to feel that. Do you ever dance? No. Yeah, think about it. I so I have an interesting health history as well, not just because of me being non-binary and having taken medications in the past or even currently. I also used to have a heart doctor when I was like 16 years old because I used to have high blood pressure. And my heart doctor was this older gentleman. He was very old. His name was Dr. Foran. And he was probably doing dance classes and yoga. And all the staff, I imagine that the chicks thought he was like weird or creepy, but I never really know what they thought. But he um he was just a kind of goofier guy but he was extremely healthy he was extremely healthy for his age and vibrant and you could tell that um the tensions within him just were almost non-existent and i feel like so much of that had to do with the dance and the and the and the fucking um yeah that's what he still did for many many years you know and i still see him he's still kicking He's still here. How <laughs> Probably in his seventies. Okay. Um. All right. Yeah, I'm with it. You're selling me you on sold? the dancing yoga thing. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo! Gotcha. There she comes again. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. So what kind of sci-fi, like what, what kind of sci-fi stuff do you like? I have a friend who's creating a sci-fi. Uh, like a show? Movie? He's writing a script for it and everything, yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I may have wrote a sci-fi book. Hmm. Yes. What was yours about? It was, uh, it was like a cyberpunk hacker style story. Okay. Where basically the future is sort of degenerated to like simpler kind of like taking like tropes you've already read and twisting them a little bit to fit the story I'm trying to tell so like California big mega city people you know you have like the people who are like the working class here on the plate and then you have like the slums or people who can't really afford fancy body augmentations to keep up with the workforce they're sort of surviving on their own down below so you have a, a character that is in the workforce and everything is sort of connected to like a data stream so like it might be stuff you've already seen before but the book is like from 2015 so stuff you see now where it's like virtual reality like you're sitting here looking at me but then you want to check your email so a little email VR prompt comes up on the left side of your eyesight so you can check emails while talking to me you could even change cosmetics of the room to your liking that, that's how the technology how deep it goes so that's fun you have like an AI that speaks to you every day and like sets your preferences and stuff like that and then you have people that can hack that system and manipulate it to the point where you have like a guy who was like implanted into your brain and you're both fighting for control of your own body that's what the story is. So this about. is yours? That's my story, yeah. Wow, I'm going to read it. Yeah. Okay, since I'm leaving to the farm, I'm taking a bunch of books with me. It'd be cool if I could take your book or at least find access of somehow to... I don't know if you have physical copies or if you have online copies or if you just have it on a drive or something. Yeah, I could, I could send you both. Oh, cool. Yeah, there... and then I can print them out, right? Yeah. And 
a guy reached out to me through Amazon because they have like the audiobook program and you can actually submit your book for like auditions for narrators and somebody is going to narrate like an audiobook version of it that's going to come out like in January. So I feel like that to me is like that's kind of like a, a high point in my, my writing career is that somebody was willing to put 12 hours of time into like narrating my words. So I feel like that's like an accomplishment. But then like at the same time, I feel like horrible anxiety. Like, what are you going to do next? You know, you're that's why I'm doing the podcast thing. Because I feel like that's like, occupying my time in a good way. Because if I don't, then I'm just going to have anxiety about what I'm going to write next. And if anybody's going to care enough to read it. That's like a real thing that I think about like all the time. So this is like a healthy distraction. Yeah, definitely. That sounds like it. Yeah. I'm a weird, I'm very, I have issues. <laughs> You're not the only one. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of people who have issues. Honestly though, for me, I guess with this podcast specifically, it is a matter of the editing because there are some situations where edits can be taken and distorted and then there are some situations where the edit can be um, the other side of the conversation the narrative would be um, distorted yes there it is yeah and um, that's the only stuff that I have concerns Oh, I understand. And I, I thought about that too. Like, I know this is like, as a first time meeting, it's like you don't really know what my intentions are besides me wanting to talk about cool arty stuff. I mean, yeah, there are a lot of people that would tell me that I am very silly or foolish for going on record about such thoughts because of the ways that people have been persecuted for the things that they have believed or said to be true. I always feel like, for me, I've never really had an issue with people's, like, as anxious I am about people, like, wanting people to read my work, I always feel like I, I do like and always go back to being kind of, like, in the shadows a little bit. Nobody really knows who I am. I'm very, I feel like I'm kind of unassuming. So, I feel like, for me... It's much easier to put out an unedited, uncensored type of discussion because nobody really knows who I am. It doesn't matter. I can be kind of ghosty. I can kind of go through because, you know, I don't really have that much of an impact on the city as a whole, so I can be as honest as I want to be. I mean, I'm a citizen here. I pay taxes and do all that stuff, but you can't really... I don't really have any interests that are at risk if I speak the truth. I don't really have a problem. See, that's very fortunate for you. If I speak the truth, most of the time it can either result in me being sued, possibly. I mean, for so what somebody else is going to say isn't true. So, I mean, and you have to think about like the people that I am necessarily speaking out against. And they're not just my neighbor um, you know, who, who is usually like a person who doesn't have a job. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, actually somebody who feels very important. And when people feel important, they feel more justified doing things like, um, you know, 
um, aggressively sticking up for or defending their whatever it feels it is reputation, their honor, their yeah. image. You know? I guess I I guess I probably should clarify. I realize that like if I do come out and say this specific person did a bad thing, I could get sued too easily. But I think a lot of the stuff that I speak about, it's more looking at this town in terms of a community, trying to build one in some form or fashion. And I feel like there's always a way around it to where you're not putting yourself at risk for libel or slander suits and stuff like that. There's always a way you can kind of be slick with it without getting in trouble, getting yourself in trouble. I would agree. That sounds like something that's definitely possible. Yeah. Um, it's just odd because people are very interested in the things that I have to say or they're interested in me giving something to them. And most of the time when it gets to the stuff that is really truthful, um, yeah, it's just it's just not what was expected. Maybe that's why I've received the reactions that I've received in the past. But I've just, that's why I've tried my hardest to find forgiveness for every single bad incident that I've had that involved other people because I honestly feel helpless about something being done about any of it. I don't think that things are going to get done about it. I think that people are just going to move on and just forget that any of it happened. And I don't think that things are going to get better in that industry for that thing. And I could be wrong. I could just be have a pessimist outlook because of my past. Who because knows? stuff happened to you. So it, yeah. it, it kind of, in a weird way, it sort of, it, it dictates how you see people and how you trust people and how you want to work with them in the future. But I think, you know, for me... yeah. I'm feeling much more confident about it now that we're talking about it too yeah. because yes, I love to um yeah, I love to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. Well good. Mm-hmm. You feel okay, so you feel much better. You feel better. Okay. <laughs> really, really. Do you feel like anything you said so far would get you in trouble? I don't think so. I think that it would piss people off. No. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know. I don't know. I mean, it is who it, it is. What it is. Sometimes my total. Um, these podcasts are kind of. Gosh, it just reminds me about, like, the things that I need to accomplish in terms of being able to share my thoughts um, tactfully. Uh, I'm usually just more very free range, kind of loose lipped, easy to. That's fine. Speak. Yeah. But, it's it is fine except for when you're in a like a a tank full of like not sharks but when you're in a tank Piranhas full of other people that are calculating their yeah. um, beliefs and they're not wearing it on their sleeves. It's a it's a nice. I understand it. I understand it a lot. Living in the shadows is fun. I think people who don't understand it tend to look at it as depressing or something or dark but it's really it seems like it's sometimes for the better or what is necessary at the moment yeah 
<sighs> There's different things, though. I'm excited to just keep growing. I'm only 23, and 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. I mean, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep living and surviving, and I'm gonna keep pushing, and I'm you gonna create long... some music, and I'm gonna fucking rock out and talk about whatever the fuck I want to talk about. Yeah, you got a long and way to go. Yeah, you know, if people want to like, yeah, I agree. If I need to, yeah, fuck. Life is really intense sometimes. It's really wild. It doesn't help when you're just an intense person, you feel, you know. <laughs> it's almost like addicting again because there's some comfort in it. Like we were talking earlier, the, the ways that um, there could be a different way of living that people just don't want to experience because it involves them letting go of certain comforts. Yeah. That they certain that they currently base their entire like Safe, happiness and safety yes. On. Everything. Yeah. Which is great. Everybody has their own thing. Malcolm X said that you should, um, whatever it is, just keep it in your closet at home so that everyone can have their own thing. <laughs> just keep it in your closet. He was talking about religion specifically, but I kind of see it translate to other things too. You know, Definitely. just whatever someone holds dear to them that helps them continue. Yeah. Mm. Nice. See, I wanted to do something like this with the lights in my house. Because I have, like, these purple Halloween lights. I could never get away with that. But, like, I wanted, like, purple lights in the living room. What color is the wall or the curtains in the living room? Are they blinds? It, well, right now the do walls are, windows? like... The walls are, like, yellow. Okay. But I don't... I just like purple. What about windows? Uh, there's like like burgundy blinds and like well like mm-hmm. that wouldn't be bad yeah the lights with the what is Death Stranding Death Stranding is a video game that's coming out in November it's like a sci-fi type of thing cool I want to play it already <laughs> so like really. like the the basis of the game is um Damn, how do I don't even describe it? It's kind of hard to you describe. You have to take your time. I think I do, because it mm-hmm. should, like, all the trailers that have come okay. out. Come on, just take your time. So, I think there's, like, this cataclysm that happens where, like, the world of the dead bleeds into the world of the living. Mm. So, you have, like, shadows, and when they cross over, they, like, try to grab living matter and, like, drag it down into, like, this weird, like, purgatory. Mm. So you have delivery people that are trying to like carry items to different spots across America and like kind of reconnect everybody because they're all separated because of all the there's like craters from like when the living matter hits the dead matter there's like an explosion and they leave the strands like this that like go up so like when you look at it from the world of the living like the strands go down but when you cross over they're going up so like when you die, you see like you're in water, but you see like the whales up in the sky. Like so, everything's like backwards. So That's you're basically freaking image. Yeah, this probably doesn't make any fucking sense what I'm saying. But you're carrying like babies across too. I guess the babies can like identify where the monsters are coming from. So like you have like a baby and you're like walking down the mountain with the baby. Awesome. And like they cry and you have to like. Shake the controller to calm the baby. Death Stranding. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fucking weird, but that's yeah. Interesting. I, it's not even out yet, and I bought the shirt. I'm like, this is weird. I need to support this weird shit. 
So that's why I'm. I'm gonna have to look into it. Yes. What are you gonna play it on? What console? It's like PlayStation. For now, I think I think it's gonna come out on more after when like when it makes a bunch of money on PlayStation, then it'll come out on all the other.